This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape from Community Waikato. Roseanne from me in the driver's chair today. Welcome, Roseanne. Thank you. Welcome. And we've also got Scott from Pukiri Neighbourhood House. Manager, not new manager anymore. Old hand manager now, really, eh? Oh, look, just under six months under the belt uh, since August. So, yeah. Yeah, but you're in a new year now. So it's kind of like, you know what, training wheels are off. This is you now? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I can't use that as an excuse anymore. I can't be like, oh, I've just started or I'm just new. So, But, yeah, new year, so let's kick in. Yeah, look, and it was wonderful you could come in today. We wanted to talk about what Pukiri have for the year ahead. And and you guys are an active community house, and there's a lot going on for you. Yeah, yeah, it feels like um, it's just nonstop, right? We just go from one thing to another and and just roll with it. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, busy year ahead, hopefully. And um, wanted to talk to you as well a little bit about what you're seeing more broadly out in the community in the Pukiri kind of area as well. See if you've got any... Yeah, for sure. Like, do you want to get into that right now? Yeah, let's start with Um, that. I think what we're seeing is... Families are really doing it tough, right? That's not news. That's that's not new to us. It's not, you know, then that people that work in the community you know, space. You know, probably what might, maybe it's news to some, I don't know. You know, sometimes we get assumptions about particular areas. And, oh, and people yeah. kind of assume, Pukiri's yeah. fine. They're doing fine. They're quite wealthy out that way. What's your take on that? Um, yeah, I've had this exact conversation with someone else this week. And um, the difference is that, yeah, there's perception that, Pukiri is sort of this rich affluent area and maybe in years gone by it was right um, but that is very much changing I think it's a very um, dynamic suburb if we look at Pukiri, Tarapa, St Andrews you know we've got some most affluent families in there and we've also got some vulnerable families in, as well we capture a lot of that emergency housing space as well yeah. a lot of social housing space and so the perception from the outside of Pukiri is not the reality. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think even even years gone by, largely it might have been affluent, but there have always been pockets of need. And sometimes those pockets can become obscured by affluence in a, in a community. And actually that can mean less access to service. So you guys have been there oh, for 20, 30. When, how old uh, is Pukiri? Yeah, so now you're going to test me. So yeah. 86 was when it first became an yeah. incorporation. So I think it celebrated 30 years in 2016. Yeah. So we're almost pushing towards 40 years. Um, and there's been some significant changes over yes. there because when it first started, the whole idea was that Pukiri was like this isolated little suburb. It was. It was in the middle of nowhere, yeah. wasn't it? So the stories go, and before my time, the stories go that there was not even any phone service out there. So they all got together. Wow. So we need something communal together. And then from there, the idea was born. Now it's just another suburb. We're all interconnected, right? Yeah. So You're almost central when you look at yeah. how much development's going right. on Especially out all north. the development up the north. As yeah. we go to um, the Tiawa Lakes development yes. towards Horatu and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be in a couple of years as you're talking about Huntley and Narawahia <laughs> as part of you know just another suburb. But yeah. Um, yeah, a very big change over those last 40 years. Yeah. And I think pockets of need exist across all suburbs of the community, um, of the city, sorry, regardless of 
maybe what that public perception is from the outside. Yeah, yeah. So And so if we just roll back, and sorry for diverting you into that conversation, you are seeing families um, and community members doing it really tough at the moment, and the cost of living has, has really hit everybody, hasn't it? I think the cost of living has really just exacerbated what some of those issues were already there, you yeah. know, especially food insecurities and, and, the, and the like. You know, we've seen a, a ridiculous increase in food service in terms of our food bank. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to give you some sort of idea around that, in 2019, we only assisted nine families yep. with food parcels, official food bank food parcels. And last year, we just cleared 1,600. Wow. So when you do the math on that, you know, it's something like a 15,000% increase. Yeah. Now, yeah. don't quote me 100% on yeah. the mathematics, but, you know, that's that's just astronomical. If you plotted that on a graph. Yeah. And, and it's off the chart. It's just out of control. Yeah. And I just question what changes. Mm. What what gets better for these families out there doing it tough? What, what changes to make that number go the other way? Yeah. And I guess that's why organizations such as us exist to try and debunk that. Because in an ideal world, we don't need to exist. Oh, that's right. In yeah. terms of that stuff. Well, yeah, in terms of that stuff, because in an ideal world, it's still a great place to gather. Absolutely. So the gathering and all the fun stuff. Yeah. But the social support services and stuff like that, that is a need at the moment. You know, ideally, we don't need food banks. Ideally, yeah. we don't need advocacy and all that kind of stuff. But we just do what we do and we, we keep fighting for our community. But families are really, really struggling. And mm. I just question what changes to, to, you know, to reverse that cycle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does seem that everything just keeps going up and squeezing people, eh? And, and you know, what we've seen recently, um, you know, with these weather events has been terrible. Our conversations with some of the, the bigger food banks are uh, telling us that food... And after that first um, event in Auckland um, was diverted to Auckland, so the food banks locally actually had less food to distribute. Now, of course, Hawke's Bay's been hit. That's a food bowl for the country. Mm. You know, and, and you, you do just, I mean, obviously horrific for people living there, but the tail of this will be felt for a long time because we've already got high food prices, and that's where a lot of our fruit comes from, and our wine. Yeah, <laughs> But that feels like a first world problem. So I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> but the fruit, that is a problem. Oh, 100%. The knock-on effect of, of the, you know, this cyclone and, and you know, even the, the flooding beforehand leading yes. up to it is going to be felt for a long time. We put that on top of the struggles that already our communities are facing. Yeah, I, I, like you said, the tail is going to be felt for a very long time. You know, we're already seeing, you know, we produce... Um, healthy school lunches for the Ministry of Education's program and we're just doing one school and we're chipping away but we're always already seeing potentially a huge increase in our cost of fresh produce particularly our lettuce and salad vegetables yeah. and apples and we've been warned by one supplier that we may see an increase of up to 80% of cost on apples wow that's right? huge that's effectively double the cost is, is of that, apples is that post the post the cyclone yeah, yeah. so so that is incredible with our Hawke's Bay region yes. and things like that where of a course. lot of that fruit is grown in Gisborne and all that yep. um, that's what they're, they're warning us to say hey look you've got to be potentially prepared for somewhere around 80% increase of apples um and that's a wholesale price, but that's all knocked on knocked yeah, of course on. Yeah. so we've got to consider what that looks like yeah um, and how we you know navigate that yeah Oh, absolutely. It's, um, you know, the year has started off with a hiss and a roar, hasn't it? Well, yeah, she certainly hasn't slowed down. Um, <laughs> you know, we thought, you know, the last few years, and I don't want to, you know, bring up the, the the COVID word, but in the last few years it felt like, okay, maybe in 2023 yeah. we're going to 
just really be able to get back to back to normal. You know what it was like <laughs> in 2019, and then like actually, no, you're going to have to deal with a couple other challenges. Hey, welcome to climate change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so that's another wider conversation yeah. that needs to be happened. But you know, um, I feel like as community organisations and, and and just as a population, we've built up such a resiliency over the last few years that yeah, you know, there's nothing we can't do. You know, if we can fight a global pandemic and and be out there and serve our community and do more for them in that kind of period, then hey, we can we can fight through this. So, you know, just got to keep going. Yeah, we do absolutely. Um, so we we started sort of talking about you know what's been happening more broadly in your community and as a community house, your role as well is to um, meet that community need as it changes, <laughs> and that can be challenging, eh? Because those changes over time, you don't necessarily know where the community is going to go and what it is they're going to need. <laughs> but looking ahead, have you got some things in place that you're excited about for 2023? Yeah, 100%. So um, a new program, actually, so I'll just wind back a little yeah. bit. We sort of sat down as a group of staff and said, right, which kind of demographics are we not hitting? Where are, where are we missing? And we identified youth as a space where we, we don't sort of do Because you do kids. We do children, right? Right yeah. up until primary school age and then... They go away, and then once they're sort of growing adults, they might come, come back, back for different things, <laughs> and um, they may even come back and work for us in our childcare programs and stuff like that. But we miss this youth bracket, sort of that high school age, right? And part of that challenge is that is in Pukiri, we don't have a local high school to us. When we look at most other community centres across our city, there's a relatively close um, yeah. high school. Most of ours go over to Fraser. And then, of course, end up associating with Western, which is great. Yeah. Um, but we're like we're, we're missing that mark. We were approached by City Council around some stuff around emergency housing, and an idea was born from that. And so, in this January, just been we did a week long program for our youth in emergency housing. Took them to Waterworld to try and teach them a whole lot of water based skills and sort of how to be safe in and around water. Mm. And for two parts, right? We know the emergency housing problem is an issue, and we've with so much stuff in the media around youth getting up to no good, mischief and all that kind of stuff. And my philosophy is we can sit around and moan about it or mm. we can try and do something to oh, change it. Look, absolutely. And those those kids in those environments, there there isn't paddocks to plan outside. You don't have backyards to, to meet up at. You know, so what do you end up doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So it's a great idea. We've been doing yeah. work with our children in emergency accommodation for about the last two and a half years. So yeah. this was a sort of a logical step for us. Um, and look, shout out to the City Council and their community development team and the team at Waterworld. They were just incredible. They did mm. so much work. Um, MSD, you know, they, they came to the table with so the funding. So it's through Oscar, is it? or um, Sort of sit outside of Oscar, a little okay. bit different. So um, because of the just the age, age bracket. Group, so yeah. just a separate piece of local, regional funding. Nice. And this all just comes through partnerships and conversations, right? So um, like I said, the idea being let's take 25 youth for, for a week, all free of charge, all fed, everything like that, and let's get them engaged in something meaningful and hopefully proactive mm. so that when they do go and, you know, swim in the river in the summer or Which go, they out, will. go out to Raglan and, and yeah. do, you know, jump off the bridge there in the estuary, that they're doing it in a way that's safe. Yeah. Because the other side of it, which I get a little bit impassioned about, is that the drowning rate in our country is out of control. Yeah, it is. So when we've got that issue, we've got a youth issue, we've got this, let's go, how do we sort of try and do something? So... We did it. There were some successes. You know, there was some teachings, some learnings. Um, and so we'll try and regroup and reflect on that and try and hit again in April. Um, so that's what we're trying to do a bit more of this year is trying to close 
some of that bracket where we don't necessarily hit um, and we're just happy to you know to learn from the masters so we've we've caught up with zeal and to Ahure and a number of other youth organizations to try and feed and learn from them so that sounds marvelous I think we've got time for a, a quick break um, and we're going to listen to Sheena Easton. Yeah, Morning Train, 9 to 5. 9 to 5 is a great song. So yeah, we'll just take a short break and we will be back with you. Seems to last forever And time goes slowly by Two baby knees together 
And we are back with Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. Roseanne and I speaking to Scott from Pukiti Neighbourhood House today, and it's it's wonderful to have you here. It's been cool hearing about, you know, yeah, the, the, the house, the beginnings of the house, and we're going to talk a bit more about your journey there later on. But, but we were just touching on some of those key things you've got going on this year and, and the programme around youth. Um, that's exciting. Have you got any other gems coming along? Um, in terms of programs, probably not at the moment. And the reason why is just taking a little bit of a stock take and going, right, where are we at? It's really important to do A at the beginning yeah. of each year. I don't think enough organisations do that. Because yeah. as community houses, we just sort of, something else comes across the table, we're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So I'm saying, let's just take a little bit of a stock take. Where are we at? What can we do? Where's our capacity? Mm. But probably the biggest project, and I can't go into too many details, is we're hopeful by the end of this year, if not early next, that we will turn earth on a new development, a new building. Yeah, see now, community centre. this is really exciting, and, and I think it's been a dream for years. Um, Pukiri Neighbourhood House has moved to a few different locations mm. and has had a number of different iterations. Um, you know, currently in, in with a hall, so it's it's a great facility, but so exciting this conversation about what it may be next. Yeah, and hundred percent. Like it's a it's a dream of the organisation. It's been a dream of the organisation for longer than I have been. Yes, <laughs> and there's people that still work for us who have dreamt about this for many and many a year. And you know, to be fair, it's a dream of most community houses yes. because the most of us are just shoehorned into a facility that, exactly that they needed somewhere to go, and yeah. and we just grow out of sight. So it doesn't matter. Who you speak to, um, they go, we just don't have enough room. We need yeah. extra room. Yeah. So really, really exciting to try and hopefully finally realise a long-term dream to say we've got a purpose-built community centre. And, and what, there's not many in Hamilton. No, there aren't many. Really, there's Western. Yeah. You know, that that's it. And, and, that's and you it. can see what amazing work they do because of the – well, not just because of, but the facility helps that. Yeah. From your perspective, what are the key things that need to be in that purpose-built facility? key things that we need to have multiple spaces yeah right so at the moment we've got one space yes which means one service one program yeah once something is on that's it right yeah. multiple spaces the ability for um private meetings and conversations which seems yeah. so basic right yes. <laughs> we've got walls in our center that don't even go to the roof yeah so it's really hard to have a private <laughs> conversation sometimes yeah um and spaces where our community can meet and gather and feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and so we're looking at hopefully including in there like a cafe um, as wow. well as trying to so to bring people in. Yeah. But also use it as a tool to upskill our community, whether those are people from Great our idea. disabled community, whether those are people who had returned to the workforce or our or youth, youth again, yeah. right? So yeah. training them up, barista courses, all that stuff, giving some hospitality experience and paid learning and then being able to send them out into the wide world with some with some qualification, some experience under their belt, mm. um, and things like that. We've made a provision in the in the draft plans for some social enterprising space and some community leasing space, which means we can lease out some permanent rooms to other community organisations. Um, and it's so strengthen what we do. Yeah, I just love that. I, I think you know more and more as a sector, we are recognising the value of um, connecting and working together far more. It, and it's it's difficult, it's challenging in a contestable um, funding environment mm. where we're often, you know, we're after the same pool of money, but that isn't how we get the greatest community outcomes. And okay. and I love that you're putting that first, like how do we how do we um, strengthen us, strengthen others, and get the, the most out of us for our community? 
100%. And we've worked really closely with some really good people, um, particularly those from City Council, um, around that. And we've been very clear on that from the start. We're mm. not coming cap in hand. We're not saying, give us this. How can we work with you? How can we work together? And how can we work a little bit differently? And you talk about that mm. funding pool. You know, the pool, or the, I use it, a pie analogy, right? The pie isn't getting any bigger. No. There's no more meat in the pie. But those taking a slice of that pie, that's increasing, right? Yes. And people's either slices are becoming very are coming smaller or not at all. Yeah. Right? And so if we can rethink how we operate to in order to ensure that we don't rely on contestable funding as much, mm. then we're way better positioned moving forward from a financial sustainability point of view. Yeah, generating your own income, you know, and, and not having to – basically having funding that doesn't have strings – yeah, you right, know, right. The so value you know, of that. And how good is that when you get funding that sort of operational costs allows yeah. you to be a bit more flexible? And we're very been clear with the plans that we've got to develop a, a developer building that almost, in a sense, pays for itself. There's some income earning potential off that. So if that's a mm. cafe or that's lease space or that's a social enterprise space, whether that's a, you know, opportunity shop, a laundromat, whatever that might be, and there's yeah. a lot of discussions around it. So a lot of water to go under the bridge. Um but that's just a, about thinking differently. So we're not putting that increased pressure and increased strain on that public funding pool. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. I really, really think that's good. And it's interesting because it comes, um, it feels like some of this innovation's been driven by your previous role. Like, yeah, 100%. You know. So um, my previous role to taking over as the junior manager at Pukiri was actually the business development manager. And that sounds a lot flasher than what it is. But it was some, <laughs> some, I guess, some uh, progressive thinking from the previous manager um, and certainly a new for a community centre to go, we need, we need a business development manager. And it was a role that I'd been doing sort of overseas. Um, and yeah, just by chance on a holiday visit, um, was coerced back but yeah we've got to be innovative I think Pukiti's always always been good at being innovative and um, certainly enterprising yeah yeah do you want to tell us a little bit more about your coercion <laughs> yeah I guess yeah right so for me I actually my journey with Pukiti House started way back in like 2010 um, when I was at university and I trained as a teacher um, and a friend of mine was working before and after school care and she said hey like we're looking for people are you interested I was like yeah for sure um, and so I started just working there and I'm um, just casual shifts here and there uh, finish university and stay working there running some holiday program um, work for Pukiri and then opportunity came to move to Sydney um, to run children's programs in Sydney um, and I started looking after just one centre um, and then I started looking after five yeah. um, and then progress into a number of, of different roles and um, some consultancy stuff for different people and things like that so um, came back for a holiday went and saw Jane she was like hey look how's Australia I'm like great mm -hmm. she's like would you be interested in this um, and so I was like yeah okay let's do it so we moved back um, because Pukiri's always had a special place in my heart and I truly believe wholeheartedly of what that organization is trying to achieve or, mm. or the cause right um, so I came back and there certainly was a first few years of trying to feel out what that actually looked like what does what does a business development manager look like in a non-profit organization yeah 
because there's not really a blueprint to go off. I think one of the first jobs was writing my position description, yeah. right? What does it actually look like? And for me, I knew our childcare stuff, but I needed to learn all the community side of the things. And, you know, organizations like Community Wakato and mm. all of the other amazing community organizations that work in our city are just so welcoming and so happy to teach and learn and embrace and welcome anybody in. And so it very quickly felt comfortable. Mm. Um, and yeah, did that since sort of 2016 to, to last year. Um, and yeah, now taken over the reins. That feels very comfortable. So now that you have moved into the manager role, any sort of key learnings that you've taken out over that six months period that maybe you hadn't quite thought of before you moved into the role? Great question. I think the first one, I think, was within the first few weeks we had our financial audit as part of our charities, you know, work. And I'd always sort of done a little bit of help supporting that process but never been you know really in it so that was a really big learning curve I'm really thankful for the auditor to you know took her time with me and sort of taught me a lot of stuff as we went so really appreciative of that so in terms of really basics like not basic but that real just operational management day-to-day stuff that that was like a big learning curve I think one of the biggest ones is is the time that you spend as a manager just supporting your staff yeah and so you've got this load of work but you know this whole open door policy and i know it's cliche but it's just how it sometimes it works and oh have you got five minutes for a quick chat have you got five minutes five minutes lisa 10 15 but that's important it is right so important around building staff morale and obviously holly in your role Mm. with community Waikato, you know I find that that takes a lot of time, but it's really important work. It's not something that you can calendar necessarily no. or, or, yeah. or diary. Um, and so just really building our staff up so that I can have the ability to do things, mm. you know, to, to go out to different hui and, and conferences and things like that and know that the centre is in good hands, it's looked after, our people are, are well cared for. So that's probably one of the, the biggest is going, actually, when do I find time to get to the <laughs> get to the list, the to-do list on the table? You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's something that probably most managers and leaders, um, you know, do struggle with is is trying to get that right fine balance uh, between wanting to be there to support your staff, but also um, to be able to do the work that you'd like to do, as you say, build those connections, relationships. Yeah, for sure. And like one thing that's a bit different from from us to a lot of people um, in terms of community uh, centres is. Um, We've got like 35 employed staff. That's got a big team. Right? That's quite a large team. Yeah. And they work over a number of different workflows. Yeah. Um, and majority of those are in our, in our childcare services, but we've got kitchen staff. We've got a full commercial kitchen operation. We've got admin staff. We've got community staff. So we've sort of got four key sort of departments, if you like, for lack of a better term. Um, and so when you, you know, a lot of community centers don't have that. We're fortunate in some ways to have that because we have this human resource that's available at our fingertips where other community centres don't have necessarily that ability and, you know, they sometimes they've got to close the centre if they want to go to a conference or or not go to the conference and this mm. is something that's push and pull and that's right. probably, you know, we're different. So And you're going to be better. different again, hopefully relatively soon. Yeah, like we soon. get that building across the line, it's going to be like a fresh start, like pushing the reset yeah. and just it's going to be... Oh, it's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Can't wait. What is awesome from my perspective too, as community Waikato, is if you are able to get this across the line, you know, that gives us two purpose-built community organisations and demonstrates the value of that level of investment. And I think that potentially creates a pathway. It might be another 10, 20 years 
but creating a pathway for more development in our community houses. 100%. And the encouraging thing, I guess, from, from the decision makers at, at council is that appears to be the, the narrative that they're pushing as well, is the hope that this presents itself as, a, I guess, a blueprint yeah. um, for how we do community development, how we develop community facilities moving into the future. And I think as a, as a city, as we develop suburbs and things like that, we have to consider the, the community infrastructure and the social infrastructure that goes with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a, there's a case to be argued around the Peacock development in the South. What does that look like in terms of a community center for, for our Southern suburbs? You know, we know both Te Whare Kokona and, and Glenview, you know, crying out for space. Yeah, um, that's right. And so we have to consider as a city how we develop that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really wise. Um, sorry, Roseanne? Yeah, we're pretty much nearly running out of time. Okay. It's been awesome um, uh, you know, chatting to Scott, and um, yeah, time's pretty much up for us now. Well, look, thank you for coming in and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to see you. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the pleasure's all mine. We might get you back on too once you've had a chance to take stock and think about what it is next, and we yeah. might just have you come and talk to us about yeah, that. Yeah, 100% look forward to it. Thanks so much. Um, you've been listening to Connect with Community Waikato for FM 89.0. episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.